0: welcome one and all the Free beers in where we discuss beer news and rap with a craft beer review welcome to season two episode 137 pipeworks brewing company blood of the unicorn sorry ladies and gentlemen a brewery out of uh, chicago which uh, i've had before personally but apparently i have never done on the show which i found that a little bit interesting but nonetheless here we are welcome to another episode i'd like to begin by making some corrections from last week so last week i had said that the america had purple plains purple plains of america it's actually purple mountains and it's amber plains of gra- amber ways of gra- i'm just butchering everything that's uh, american right now another thing i wanted to mention was um i called them says hops or saz hops but it's it's saj believe it or not saj hops like the word massage okay so, I also wanted to mention that uh, flagship came out with some releases. They came out with the the Pizza Rat Pilsner, which I'm intending on getting uh, as soon as possible, as well as the um Alice Austin uh, uh comfort I th- I think I don't remember the I don't remember off the top of my head, but I, but they also came out with a um another pilsner. Uh this one was dedicated to Alice Austin. And before I uh, can uh, begin the show officially, I would like to thank Elliot, Fred, Michael, Sean, Ian, Fortune, James, and Gwen. That's correct, I said Fortune. Um, you, were all, you, were, you had all emailed me, like, a congratulations on coming back, and I really appreciate it. And I wanted to definitely mention that on the show before uh, I really kick things off. Also, I wanted to mention as well that Flagship wasn't the number one and Killsborough the number two, but there was the Staten Island Brewing Company. A.K.A. the place behind Home Depot, which is now, I think, defunct. And by the way, that's my word of the week as well. Defunct. If you want a good word to use, defunct is actually really, really fantastic. But we got a nice show here for you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Been drinking this beer. It's pretty yum-yum. We're going to get to the review a little bit later. But uh, the one thing I wanted to bring up was... um, Actually, before I get into all the beer stuff, I really want to get into this here. I have been watching on HBO... A show called Euphoria. Okay. And it's uh, okay. I was thinking about it uh, before how I wanted to approach this, how I wanted to talk about it. I don't want to sound like one of those people because now I'm getting older and I'm a parent, you know, one of those. I I don't want to sound like the PMRC or anything like that. Okay. I'm not Tipper Gore over here, but when I'm watching the show Euphoria and you're seeing like, what it purports that teenagers are going through in today's America, my God, is it terrifying? Okay, especially now that I'm a dad, it's quite scary stuff. I mean, the the drugs, the alcohol, the the sexting, and the it, oh, it's crazy. And I it's just oh, now on top of it, my wife and I we watch it, and then we decided we were going to watch a documentary that's on HBO. By the way, total HBO fanboy right here. If you if you haven't noticed, it's all I ever talk about are shows that are on HBO and stuff like that. We're talking about a documentary, two-part documentary, I think it's like one hour and ten minutes each episode, called I Love You Now Die, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts versus uh, whatever this lady's name is, chick's name is. Now, you definitely remember this happening, so it was around 2012, 2012, no wait, not 2012, 2014, right, whatever. The 2000 teens, it was the story of a woman or a young lady who had texted her boyfriend to kill himself. And I remember when the story broke, all you saw were these text messages of her being like, you're going to do it today? You're going to kill yourself today? You're going to get the job done? You're going to back out and be a bitch and not kill yourself, bro? Like all this, just all these text messages. And I remember when it first came out, you know, I remember hearing about it and reading about it and saying to myself, that girl should go to jail for fucking murder because like all you heard was that side of it. That's all you even heard of it. I wasn't watching the court TV, anything of that nonsense or that business. I don't even remember if it was even on or anything like that. Like the Casey Anthony thing, which I'm also really into right now. But, uh, this documentary was fucking awesome. I mean, totally lights out because what it did was it gives you part one and part two. So part one, is my initial reaction. I don't want to give too much away, okay? You do have to watch it because if you are, enjoy twists and turns and something that's going to just make you really, really and truly think about things, especially how I'm like kind of like a free speech kind of junkie, you know, that I believe that you should be able to say whatever you'd like, um, you know, within reason, uh, that, you know, and that was one of the main parts of the defense. But anyway, so if you're into that kind of stuff, they really go deep into this story. And into this uh, this thing that had happened, I mean, it, I was doing everything in my power not to Google what had happened to her, like what was the result. You may have, you may know what the result is, you know, and that that doesn't necessarily ruin the story for you because what they do in the part two is they give you pretty much a side of this entire story that just did never saw the light of day, and I think that's just incredible, and it really makes you think about. The whole situation, and it really makes you think about how how people are, you know, how they are when it term- comes to technology and stuff like that, and how reliant everyone is on it. I mean, it's not that it's so disturbing, but, um, you know, this is a tragedy that had happened, and there's just so many underlying things in there, like, you know, uh, psychotropic drugs, SSRIs, all that stuff, and and people going crazy, you know, trying to emulate uh, uh, shows that they see on TV, and, like, it's just, it's really really awesome and and a cool it has really does have the the finger on the pulse of today's day and age i say today's day and age like i'm a, some sort of like geezer over here but it just really has the finger on the pulse of what's going on today and uh even though it was um i think i think 5 years ago it's still quite relevant today so i do recommend you check that out i would love to dive deeper into that maybe next week to give you a chance to take a look at it and then give me and then when i talk about it you'll be able to understand a little bit better what i'm talking about Another thing I wanted to touch on real quick before I before I uh, went on here, this just happened way too much to me during this week that I have to like talk about it. So, I mean, not so much one of these people, but so I was. I'm not a. Uh, so, if you've you've heard of the show or the movie or the the characters Jay and Silent Bob, right? Every I can, pretty much everybody knows who Jay and Silent Bob are. If not, there's a the the movie Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back is on Netflix right now. They're a part of the clerks. Um, what do you want to call it? The uh, the universe of clerks and stuff like that, which is a uh, creation I think of Kevin Smith exclusively, but I'm not too sure. But it's in that circle of uh, Kevin Smith and and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and stuff like that. And they, I think they all wrote these movies. There's a movie called Dogma, and I think they make an appearance in it. But it's basically Kevin Smith wearing a trench coat and like a a baseball cap backwards. He's got long hair. He's always smoking cigarettes, wearing jeans and like a white t-shirt. And he's with uh he he's Silent Bob and Jay is the other guy and they they all they're they're always seen like on a wall selling weed to to children and stuff like that. So Jay and Silent Bob they haven't come out with a movie or even an appearance in a long time, but apparently there's a new Jay and Silent Bobville coming out now. I mean, soon. And, uh, I saw, so this is something that's, okay, so I don't want to, you know, name drop or anything like that, but someone that I know recently went and got, like, all their teeth fixed. Well, not not so much fixed, but I think, like, a total new, like, teeth thing. And, um, it's so noticeable. So, so for example, if, if you know Jay and Silent Bob, if you see the trailer, or, or like a picture of the new Jay and Silent Bob film that's coming out. When you see a picture of Jay, he he had all his teeth done too, and I thought I was looking at a a stunt double standing next to Kevin Smith. I think its name is Kevin Smith. I might be I may, I may have name dropped uh, Kevin James, but either way, uh it totally changes the person's face. So this person that that I've known for many years that had their teeth redone, it, it changed their entire face. And like she didn't tell anyone that she was going to get this work done. So when she did get the work done and she returned from the work being done, it was it was a shock. Okay, and you don't dare you don't dare tell them like, hey, what what happened to your fucking face? You know, you don't you don't do that. But when it's a celebrity, you can say something like that. So what the fuck happened to this guy's face? I mean, okay, so he was also in the movie Jay and Miri make a porno. Zach and Miri make a porno. He was like the dick in that film. And uh, he has his Jay and Silent Bob face in that film. So, you know, now he's a little bit older. And of course, when you get older, your features harden a little bit. Like, you know, your your nose maybe gets wider or something like that. And if you use the Face app, there you go. That's what you're going to look like. So... He gets the teeth done, and he looks like a completely different person. This chick gets the teeth done. She looks like a completely different person. Sidebar, Val Kilmer, right, did not know this guy had throat cancer. I feel like I'm doing an episode of TMZ. Where's my coffee mug so I could just, you know, gossip? Didn't know Val Kilmer has throat cancer, and I'm not one of those people that get caught in the... In the, in the clickbait, but sometimes I do. I'm not going to lie. When they're like, oh my God, these celebrities have aged beyond recognition. Can you recognize these celebrities that have aged beyond recognition? And then it's usually a ton of ads and then you just want to see a picture of like, I don't know, uh, I, I can't even think of a fucking celebrity all the time. Maybe, maybe fucking Val Kilmer. So it's like the first photograph of Val Kilmer within three years has released. And I'm like, I haven't seen this guy in a long time. Let me take a look at it. So I click the picture and and it goes right to him and, and he has a fucking trach tube, right? So then I'm like, what the fuck? And then I you know, recognize his face and he's got like and he looks all fucked up. And I felt terrible, you know, that that I that I was like I didn't react poorly. I was just like I felt bad because I was gawking at a picture of the guy. It just felt wrong. And it turns out the guy's got like like throat cancer. And then, like, apparently this picture comes out, and then he's like, there was rumors I was dead, I'm not dead, I'm doing well. And, like, it was just so depressing. So the picture came out because they're making the new Top Gun movie and everything like that. Nonetheless, I just wanted to, I don't know why I piggybacked the Val Kilmer thing, maybe because he looks so different. Because, I mean, the last time I seen him, he was Jim Morrison, and he was, you know, he, he he was a young man, and then he got really fat, and now he's got the throat cancer. That's just a roller coaster of all different, you know, Things like that, but you know, nonetheless, I I, I don't mean to to sound <coughs> crass or anything like that, but I was just very surprised at that. And I, and I and I the the main part of the story is I hope that if my my teeth ever need to get fixed, I hope that th- you know I'm I'm gonna actually tell everyone like I hey I know my I look weird because it changes your face because like your 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 lips might protrude a little bit more or something like that, and it and it just changes everything. So when I do. If I ever have to, and it comes down to it, I'm going to walk around to everybody. And be like, listen, I got my fucking teeth done. I know I look different. Just, I hope you get used to it soon, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, just be at the mercy of the people. So, um, I don't know what I'm talking about. But this week, we're going to be doing uh, some hop stuff, you know. We like the hop news. Hop news, no, just hop. Hop talk. Hop talk. Let's see what we're going to get this week, okay? I got the wheel up. I'm using wheel number two, and let us begin. It's spinning. And we've landed on... Super Pride! Super Pride! Super Pride hops, okay. All right, let me turn this down a little bit. Um, this is the hop of the week, Super Pride. Let me look it up here real quick. Okay, Super Pride. We miss Pride month but nonetheless super pride ladies and gentlemen super pride is the offspring of pride of ringwood and a descendant of yeoman yeoman or yeoman first bred at the rostrever breeding garden in victoria in 1987 by Hop products australia oh so it's australian it was released in 1995 and since 2002 has become a mainstay bittering variety used in commercial beer products in australia Though primarily used as a bittering hop, Super Pride does feature an understated bouquet and elements of resin, spice, and citrus. It is most often used in lagers and imperial pale ales and is considered milder than Pride of Ringwood. And that's it. I don't see anything else. I don't even see, like, any facts here about beers that might have this in it. So... I was prepared for this, so give me one second here. I have a paper, I have a notebook ready to go. So I knew there are going to be some really obscure hops on here that are not going to have a lot of information and a lot to talk about. So I figured when that does happen, I will go into discussing. Excuse me, discussing a fact about a hop. You know, like you know about hops and stuff like that. So. Sometimes when we're taking a look at hops, especially when we go a little bit deep. I hope this music is okay. When we go a little bit deeper into the, you know, the details of hops, one thing that pops up a lot is the alpha acid. Okay? And you're thinking, Dom, what are alpha acids? And you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. They're a class of chemical compound primarily of importance to the production of beer. Okay? They are found in the resin glands of the flower of the hop plant. And are the source of the hop's bitterness. Okay. Very, very good. Uh, alpha alpha acids may be isom, isomerized. Isomerized. Oh, God. I feel terrible. I can't read this. Isomerized. Isomerized? What happens is it, when you boil it, it bitters it. That's it. Okay. It bitters the beer when it's boiled. But what happens is... The, they're broken down into percentages. So the alpha acid rating on hops indicate the amount of alpha, uh, alpha acid as a percentage of the total weight of the hop. Hops with a higher alpha acid content will contribute more bitterness than a lower one. Okay? Well, especially if you're using the same amount of hops. Uh, high alpha acid varieties of hops are more efficient for producing highly bitter beers. Well I'll check that out. And here's some percentages and they vary so the funny thing about that is they vary based upon uh, usually what what they are able to get out of the crop sometimes the acid can range so you have uh, here we have listed cascade which is 4.5 to 8 percent Sentinel, which is 9 to 11.5 percent chinook which is 12 to 14 percent east kent goldings 4.5 to 7 percent hollertau hersbrucker Two point five to five percent, Mount Hood, which is three point five to eight percent, Saj, we know how to say it now, uh, two to five percent, Styrian Golding, uh, four point five to seven percent, and Willametti Willametti or Willamette, four to seven percent. So basically, what's going to happen is when you go and look at the hop content that are the hop that are in your beer, if you if you see that it's going to have Chinook in it, you know that you're going to have up what could be a reasonably hoppy beer. Something that's really, really exciting that has happened to me lately or happened to me uh, recently and has nothing to do with people's faces is I was going through my Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that and I saw something interesting. I saw a brand new brewery that's coming to Staten Island. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Rube Sam and Horman Brewing Company popped up on my timeline. And it has a symbol of Staten Island with a kitty cat on the top of it. And it says, um, Roop Salmon Horman Brewing Company, Staten Island Beer. And wait a minute, I have a picture of it right here so I could just tell you. But I know I noticed that the Staten Island logo, it was it was Staten Island right on it. And it says it's located here in Staten Island, New York. So I had to, d- 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 you know, I had to get right into this. I said, what's going on here? So, um... It's coming in September 2019. Uh, they have so this is their Facebook. So I'm trying to see now their Instagram had a little bit more information. Now I feel very really prepared, but okay, maybe I could tell from this one right here. They have already I see at least three different labels or three different colors of their icon that's going to probably cover uh, different beers that they're going to be having. Okay, okay, his okay. So maybe I, give me one second. Let me go to their their fucking Instagram. Hold on. Okay, so I got their Instagram up, which is, I'm really sorry about that, but, so the uh, Rube Sam and Horman Brewing Company, they've got a couple beers that they are saying that they're going to have, and what we have here is the, like a, I think it's going to be like, it looks like a Tottenville Pirates Purple. Uh, is the color here and it says crisp, clean, and clear. This Pilsner is hop forward, highlighting herbal and citrus varieties on the nose and finishing with a grainy sweetness to balance this season, uh, sessionable, bright Pilsner perfect for enjoying while talking smack to your dopey friends coming 20, 20- September, 2019. Was really, really excited to just read about that. Then I just go even further and it looks like kind of like Notre Dame colors, not Notre Dame, excuse me. Um, a green and like a, a yellowish color here. I'll probably link it so you could see. So the RNH IPA, Old World Meets West Coast of Staten Island. This serenely balanced IPA takes American and experimental hops and pairs them with English and German malts for a tangy, tropical, biscuity mouth bomb. Is there anything better than a good mouth bomb? Sounds really exciting. Then you got like a Monsir Farrell High School colors here. Uh, it says here it's their amber ale. It's a decadent malt extenuated with a rich tones of toasted toffee. Uh, and sweet caramel, uh, finished with the delicate Northwest hops for a crushable ruby red finish. If anybody asks what you're drinking, just repeat all that gruff with malt and toffee and caramel, and you'll look like you know what you're doing in life. Pretty funny, pretty funny. So now I'm looking at all this stuff, and you know it doesn't have a lot of followers right now, and and it only has five posts, so it's very very new. But I kept seeing that the posts were tagging this gentleman by the name of BQ Quinn. Right. And I didn't know who that was. So then I clicked it and it's a gentleman named Brian Quinn, who's an impractical joker dancing monkey of the Tenderloin. So it's a gentleman who is in the impractical jokers. Uh, Apparently he's going to be the owner of this brewery. It looks like he's the owner of this brewery. I think it even says on their Facebook that he's the owner. And um, apparently he loves cats. So that kind of like, you know, lets you know right there why the cat was all over the whole uh, on the logos and stuff like that but nonetheless pretty exciting stuff to know that we are going to be having a new brewery coming to our island meaning that you then we have the now defunct staten island brewing co god rest its soul if it is even indeed defunct no one knew it was there okay it was i think a mom-and-pop place they brewed beer behind home depot i remember talking to rob about it and they're probably now gone. And you know, it, it is what it is. What are you gonna do? Then you have your flagship, we have flagship, and now we have Killsborough, and now we're gonna have Rube Sam and Horman Brewing Company. Now, the the interesting thing about it is because I had to immediately get Googling, and what you found out, what I found out was that this brewing company was originally opened in Stapleton from 1888 to 1920. Of course, 1920 hits and that's prohibition, and then it came back from nineteen thirty-three to nineteen fifty-three. And then it got sold and passed down, sold and passed down. The name kind of changed a couple times, and it eventually finally closed in 1963. And I think that was the final brewery on Staten Island until, I think, Staten Island Brewing Company or Flagship. I'm going to try to find out the history on it because I think it's very important and really interesting. The fact that we had 20 breweries on this island, I think, is very interesting. Three of which were right here in Castleton, two in Rosebank, ten of them in Stapleton, and five in West Brighton. That is pretty cool. I also think it's kind of neat that they're taking the name of that old brewery and bringing it back to life. I think that's really neat. And I was even like doing a little bit more research, and I found, of course, there's a niche for everything you know around. And there's there's like an antique bottle exchange out there. I don't know why I didn't think this would exist. The show American Picker, uh Pickers, you know, tells you everything. And and someone had one of these bottles, and it's so old timey. It's like a it looked like a tall boy, but like a stubby style. It looked like a bowling pin almost, or like a torpedo shell of a uh, of a beer bottle. And it was really, really neat to see, and I thought it was really, really cool. So something really, really interesting and really fun to look forward to, because this brewery is emerging, and it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. And I'm I'm really interested to see where they're at. The latest post was them um, doing a mash. Or it looks like they got a boil going for their pilsner. And I think that's going to be really, really cool. So I'm really excited about that, ladies and gentlemen. That sound can only mean one thing. Time for the beer news, ladies and gentlemen. Beer news and reviews. That's what Three Beer End is all about. First article that I came across, it's from Mashable. Mashable.com in the entertainment section, and it says here, My worst nightmare is finally here. Boba beer is now officially a thing. Now, I became exposed to what is known as bubble tea quite recently. Excuse me. I got some friends at work that are into it, and I see them having it all the time. They talked about it all the time, and they said to me that I should go out and get it. And I was like, I don't know. For those of you, now I'm going to give you my my brutish, my boorish, excuse me, explanation of what bubble tea is. So it's it's tea that they put in a, in a cup, right? And then they seal the cup and they give you a stabby straw, and you got to stabby the straw in the seal. It's like a plastic seal on the top. You stab in, and then you could get to your tea. And in the tea, they put, like, tapioca gelatin balls of, I don't know what's in them, but it, you got to chew it, or you you could run the risk of choking. You got to chew it. You could put beans in it. It's fucking nuts, but it's it's pretty darn good. But now this poor bastard here says Asia loves bubble milk tea. They love beers as well. Our franchise has decided to merge uh, the both together in what what it considers the matchmake of the century. That's right, folks. Everyone's dream and nightmare has happened thanks to the beer factory, it's called. Uh, Dubbing it the Boba Beer Series, four varieties of beers are set to be sold in all of the beer factory outlets in Malaysia, except for, I don't know what the fuck that said I'm not even going to touch it. But the boba beers consists of butter beer made with Karen Ichiban, Guinness milkshake with Guinness, duh. Oh, these are what they're called. Uh, strawberry lime cider made out of apple fox cider and watermelon beer mixed with tiger beer. So it's it's going to be mainly in Asia. Okay. I thought I didn't. I thought that this was going to come. It might hit the states. This might actually inspire someone to go out and do this. All four beverages or abominations are uh, priced at $7 US. What do Malaysians feel about this? So there's some reaction here from the locals. And one of the one of the one of the people said, you guys, you guys deserve a special place in hell. Oh, my God, please don't destroy the beer culture and what it is supposed to be by bringing in bubble tea concept to mix up together please be beer factory and not bubble tea factory oh my god what the fuck what the fuck ain't wasting wasting money on this where it's is i want th- this is okay their english is probably not that good om omfg come come guinness boba plus hot pot seriously when it's starting the bubble beers will be around for a limited time only don't like them maybe you can continue chugging that durian whiskey if you want okay either way something that is in malaysia right now might make its way to the states because guess what people are i think kind of running out of ideas when it comes to um when it comes to the beers and stuff like that that we have out here and when i started seeing the hibiscus tea stuff like that that's when I started to get a little, uh, concerned this is here from CNN.com from their health section. It says here, Instagram to, what does that say? Oh, there's an ad in the way. I can't even fucking read the headline because there's an ad in the way. I can't read it. I can't read the headline Instagram to something, something to, there you go. Thank you. Thank you for getting the fuck out the way. First on CNN. Facebook and Instagram to restrict content related to alcohol, tobacco, and e-cigarettes. That's not cool. I'm a, I I have a business that's related to alcohol. If I want to advertise on Facebook or Instagram now, it's going to get flagged. Facebook will unveil a new policy on Wednesday to restrict sales and limit content related to alcohol and tobacco products, including e-cigarettes, a company spokeswoman tells CNN. The new policy will prohibit all private sale." Oh, it's, it's okay. So I'm striking out, this is 0 for 2, because here I am thinking that it's going to involve me, but I'm not selling anything. New policy will prohibit all private sales, trades, and transfers, and gifting of alcohol. Damn it! Just when I was going to try to get people to gift me alcohol through Facebook and Instagram, it's now going to get shut down. Any brands that post content related to the sale or transfer of these products will have to restrict their content to adults 18 or older. Well, wouldn't you want to do that anyway? Why would you want to target people that can't even buy your shit? The new policy will go into effect Wednesday and will also apply to any Facebook groups created to sell alcohol or tobacco products to spokeswomen. Set. So now, if I belong to like the evil twin brewing group, Does that mean that uh, there's going to be some pushback from Facebook about that? I don't know. We're going to find out. The company is enforcing the new rules, the spokesman said, and may remove any groups that do not make necessary changes. While the company's policies already prohibit the sale of tobacco and alcohol in Facebook Marketplace, the platform is expending the ban to organic content, regular posts from private users. So you can't even post that you're selling something. I mean... I guess it makes sense. You know, you don't want to be a platform for for people that may be underage to purchase your, your stuff, right? The company will use a combination of technology, human review, and reports from our community to find and remove any content that violates these policies. This is where it gets a little murky because when you have to rely on technology, not just human review, because you know there's going to be so much stuff that the humans just can't get ahead of. And you're going to rely on algorithms. And if I'm going to be selling three beers in and it sounds like I'm selling beer, boom, I'm going to get fucking flagged and probably taken down. Facebook and Instagram users, including those under 18, are still free to post other content related to tobacco and vape products. Like what, like a fucking cloud meme? Under the new policy, so-called influencers who are paid to promote nicotine-containing products will also be allowed to post content related to tobacco and vape products. Those posts will not have to be age restricted," the spokeswoman said. "Of course not. Don't mess with the influencers." She emphasized, however, that the company is considering possible changes to its influencer policy and in working with the industry that regulates these bodies. Maybe it has something to do with. Maybe it has something to do with the uh, the CBD. Everyone's talking about fucking CBD. Every podcast I listen to, every every fucking turn, all I hear about is CBD. It makes me feel like that maybe I need to go out and get some CBD. It's gonna fucking change my life. Last year, the CNN investigated a detail. um, uh, Last year, a CNN investigation detailed how Juul, the largest vape manufacturer in the United States, paid popular Instagram users to promote its device. The company has come under fire in recent months for the alleged role in what experts call an epidemic of teen vaping. In 2018, the FDA announced that vaping increased nearly 80 percent among high schoolers from the previous year. Okay, I get that you did an investigation and all that. But if you if you're at all privy to Instagram or Facebook or anything like that, all you got to do is look at Barstool Sports and anything affiliated with Barstool Sports. When you looked at the college culture and those people even probably younger than that, the jewel became like a fucking like like the ark of the covenant, okay? Everyone was trying to get the Jewel. You saw videos of people that like just broke their arms or something and they're doped up in the hospital and they're like reaching for the Jewel. The Jewel was the the fucking Temple Mount. Like it was like, I don't think that uh, it was influencers doing that. I just think it was just the, uh, the viral nature of people just wanting to be a part of it. So I hope that this doesn't crack down on craft beer communities all around our purview and stuff like that. I hope it doesn't come after me or anything like that. I don't think it will. But you never know, things do happen out there. Oh no, I think I just closed an article that I really wanted to talk about. Oh well, hold on, I got it back. All right, another article here ladies and gentlemen, and it says here PBR Hard Coffee is creating a buzz (laughs) in Maine's test market. It's kind of like a Dunkin' Donuts coffee that's iced with alcohol, one liquor store manager said. Maine is one of five states the brewery chose to test its concoction. Now, this is really great. I mean, you know, I'm really, really happy about this because a lot of people give hipsters some bullshit. What is more hipster, okay, than giving the I mean, this is like this is like drinking water for a hipster. You know, it's essential for for life. You have to drink water to survive. They have to drink Pabst Blue Ribbon to survive. But now you're making it an iced coffee it's like you're it's like you're giving them the world. You know, and I have to applaud Paps for doing this. I think this is a fucking brilliant move, and I really hope that uh they, they they let this hit the market because you know that there's gonna be some swanky, you know, elitist motherfuckers drinking this stuff. Just weeks after hitting the shelves, Paps blew ribbon hard coffee is creating a buzz in Maine. The coffee, malt, liquor, and milk concoction with five percent alcohol by volume came out in early July and some stores have struggled to keep it in stock. Maine is one of just five states where Paps is testing the beverage. It has been the hottest item of the summer, said Tony Olmstead, a general manager of Rupert's Beverage and Redemption Chain, with six locations in Lewiston, Auburn, and Oxford. Customers can't get enough of the sugary, creamy beverage, he said. Some people tell him that they like to add a shot of whipped cream-flavored vodka to boost a marshmallow taste and add a kick. Check that out. So it so far it is in the markets of Maine, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Florida and Georgia. Why didn't they just go to Williamsburg? Maine ha- was selected as a test market because the Northeast drinks a lot of coffee and because distributors were just excited to sell hard coffee, said Pabst's brand manager John Newhouse. Distributors are our key partners, so we take their input seriously. Some other factors may help explain the immediate popularity of hard coffee. Mainers in general drink more alcohol than other Americans, ranking number 12 out of all the U.S. states per capita of alcohol consumption, according to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. That's not something that, like, that was like cool if it was like a BuzzFeed, like poll. You know, who's out there drinking the most? But it says this is for abuse and ism. Pabst already has strong sales in Maine. Uh, the state really does well with PBR. I think that's uh, why they chose us, he said. That was the, the dude, the manager. But it also could be that Maine's unique affinity uh, for another sweet caffeinated booze, Allen's Coffee Brandy. Allen's is one of the state's best-selling liquor by volume for decades. Might have a little do with that as well, he said. Boozed up coffee is hardly a groundbreaking concept. The Buena Vista Cafe in San Francisco is credited with popularizing Irish coffee. Uh, maybe. Maybe Irish people were popular for Irish coffee. I don't think that this cafe made popular the detective O'Sullivan who's been working the case for like 22 hours straight and you know needed to reach in the bottom drawer and put a little whiskey in his black coffee. I don't think I don't think it was you San Francisco. I think it was the hard-working Irish American detectives. That's just how I think about it. So, you know, I'm real, just a gift, a real gift to the hipsters of the world. I know that they're really excited that they know that a delicious, scrumptious, hard iced coffee with the word PBR. And it's a very nice PBR label on it. Oh, man, I bet you're really, really excited. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take a little bit of a break here, crack open another beer, and I'll be right back. With the bathroom. I'm going to take a bathroom break is what I'm trying to say. I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Three Beers In. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Don't forget to give us a good review on iTunes or however else you're listening to this podcast. Let your friends know about it. Drink craft beer. And don't forget, you could always email us at www3 at gmail.com. And also... Wait a minute. That's our email. You could go to our website, which is 3beersin.com. 3 3beersin at gmail.com. And... And don't forget that you could always you can always message us on Facebook Messenger too, which is really, really interesting and fun and great. Thanks everybody. your uh favorite wonderful fucking best German dubstep dance music I don't know what the fuck it is but it's one it's one of my favorite things i'm I think I'm gonna share their uh their YouTube to our to the to the channel so you guys could look into it so what do we have here but hang on hang on I think it's time ladies and gentlemen for the beer review oh I think I did a little stutter step on that little, on the doodad there, because I'm still not fairly used to all of this stuff. I think I gotta put the music knob right there. If I have to fight over the music, I'm really sorry, ladies and gentlemen. But, again, I'm still getting used to this stuff. So, this week, we're drinking from Pipeworks Brewing Company. Hold on, let me pour out the rest of this. Um, Blood of the Unicorn, Hoppy Red Ale. The funny thing about Pipeworks is, like, I've had them before, but I don't think I've ever had them on the show. So, uh, I'm really excited to have them here right now. Uh, it's a Blood of the Unicorn Hoppy Red Ale. And, uh, the, it's, uh, one pint here, the can, a little bit of a toy boy can here. And it's, uh, 6.5 alcohol, 6.5% alcohol by volume. That's the thing that I closed on their website. I wanted to read about their beer real quick. Just give me one second. I really hope you're enjoying this music. I'll take note if it is too loud. But, Blood of the Unicorn, Hoppy Red Ale. Wanted to do something, uh, you know, had the lager, and I wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, So we have here the the Red Ale. So, uh, it's one of our original Hop Beasts of Burden makes its whimsically triumphant return. Blood of the Unicorn is Pipeworks Ninjaverse Unicorn Hot Red-Headed Sister Loaded with fruity and piney American hops This rogue Equine Always delivers So You may be familiar with uh, Ninjaverse Unicorn Which is one of the more popular beers That comes from Pipeworks Uh, Really fantastic stuff But they have this listed here as an American Amber Slash Red Ale So I wanted to real quick look up that uh, beer style because we often hear about red ales and we often hear about amber ales and uh, let's see if they're mutually exclusive. I'm going to have to turn this down. It's just so loud in my ear that it's really distracting and I and I don't want it to distract you guys either. So so you, you always hear about Irish red ales and American red ales or what is it, or is it an amber ale? What's the difference here? So the Irish reds according to the uh, the beer judges manual here is an easy drinking pint, often with uh, subtle flavors, slightly malty, uh, in the balance of sometimes with initial soft toffee caramel sweetness, slightly grainy, uh, biscuity, touch of roasted dryness in its finish, uh, and there's a little bit more of a grainy dryness that, th- that it has uh, in its overall impression. So the flavor, the profile that comes with an Irish red, it says here that it's usually um, very little caramel malt flavor and sweetness, but rarely buttery toasted roasty toffee like quality uh, it's also a quite a very neutral uh grainy uh, flavor in terms of the malt and it has a very medium to low hop bitterness but a medium to dry finish uh it's clean it's smooth not very astringent so it's just a very laid back very very laid back subtle amber ale because what i've noticed is what they do is they break down the hops into two different categories you have your old world hops and your new world hops so basically, well, you have you have your American hops. Excuse me, you have your American hops and your Old World hops. So, Old, Old World hops are going to be in the Irish Reds. Um, they're traditional European brewing hops. Sometimes they include the Sazer hops, Sazer hops, but usually they're British brewing hops, and um, they might have some from Continental Europe. From what I read, uh, they're usually floral, spicy, herbal, and earthy but they're much less intense than American hops and new world hops. So the modern American brewing hops for the, especially for this craft beer era are very, excuse me, the burps are are very citrusy, uh, resiny. Uh, they have like an evergreen characteristic to them and they have a, they also have a lot of, um, uh, unusual and experimental characteristics to them. Like they have like a stone fruit flavor to them, a berry flavor and a melon. So, the, the the main difference i think between these two ales is primarily going to be the the ingredients that they use. So if these guys went out there and they got some old world hops uh and and uh put it into their into their uh into their recipe here, you're going to get that irish red flavor. But what happened here it says hoppy red and when i poured this out, i looked at the statistics. I mean not the statistics. I look what uh what the um what the uh, the beer judge's handbook says and this is just your classic uh amber ale for sure uh you know nothing actually red about it so when i poured this out it's a very dark 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 amber color almost like a burnt toast okay i mean it is very very dark uh it had about three fingers of head you can't see through that beer whatsoever that's how dark and roasty it looks three fingers of a fluffy nearly purely white head but it wasn't necessarily an off color Uh, or anything like that, like a dark, you know, sometimes some dark beers will have a, a, a head on it that's like a, like a burnt white, but it's, it's nothing like that. But the, from the presentation alone, it looked like it wouldn't be really good to have in the heat. And then I took a nose on it. So you get a very big bouquet of like a spicy floral hop aroma, very, very fresh and bright earthy aroma to it. There's not really too much of a malt smell there. Uh, which took me by surprise because it looks like it's it would be like a, a toasted lager almost like that's the, the type of color that you're getting here but it isn't clear or anything like that but I'm going to try one more time with the smell yeah it's just it's just this spicy bright there's a touch of like a sweet malt smell there but it's just it's not, it's not really uh, pronounced whatsoever let's get a flavor here oh man so that is just like a beautiful bright sunshiny day oh my god it's like a sunrise that you could write a poem about there's a delicate toasted malt in the front there and there's this just frenetic vibrant hoppy bouquet that's just in the back right there in the middle and in the back you're not getting any alcohol burn whatsoever no warmth from that 6.5 percent it's a refreshing return to a hot bitterness that i have not had in a long while You're having a lot of these juice bombs. I'm having a lot of... I had a couple of those Pilsners and stuff like that. You know, just trying to reset this palate, baby. And let me tell you, you know, this is just a type of beer that I haven't had in a long time. Really and truly, this is a refreshing return to just a beer that you know you liked in the past because you haven't had this in a while, this kind of beer. I mean, it's got a floral, earthy, pleasant sweetness there in the end, too. And I really miss having a beer like this. It has been so long that it's been too long that I've had a beer of this caliber in terms of these flavors. Again, it's not very dank or or, or very um, piney when it comes to the hops. It's a pleasant bitterness balanced out very well by the malt because it's not overbearing on your palate. The mouth feels a little astringent, very slightly astringent. The bitterness is pleasant, and it, and it does invite another sip, but it's not a very dry finish. Okay, but that's not something that you really um, you really looking for. You're looking for a smooth finish when it comes here, and and a slight maybe a slight alcohol warmth. I'm not getting that whatsoever. But it's got a it's got a good mouthfeel to it though. It's got medium carbonation. It's smooth. It's it's fairly good. So all those factors combined, I'm gonna give this. Uh, beer a score of an 8.7, an 8.7 for the um, for the Blood of the Unicorn Pipeworks Brewing Company out of Chicago, Illinois, which means, ladies and gentlemen, that this beer makes it onto the three beers in Mount Rushmore for ales. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Blood of the Unicorn Pipestore Brewing Company coming out of Chicago, Illinois, a fantastic, delicious, yummy, scrumptious amber ale, American amber ale, something that you definitely haven't had in a long time. I know you haven't had it in a while, okay? This is a beer that brings you back, brings you back to the heyday of when you probably first started having craft beer, and it rightfully is put onto this Mount Rushmore. Will it be dethroned by a New England-style IPA? Probably. Sorry to say it, but probably. Those beers is just too darn fucking good. I'm sorry to say it. You know, after I'm singing high praises about this beer, putting it on the Mount Rushmore, it deserves to be there. It certainly does because it is delicious. But come on, think about it. We got two emails here, ladies and gentlemen, that I think I should be reading to you right now. This one's from Gabriel. And Gabriel says, I don't have do I have email music? I don't know if I have email. Oh, that's a harp. Okay. Mm -mm, Fuck that up. Sorry about that. All right. Gabriel says, I've been drinking craft beers for almost 10 years. However, I'm I'm by no means a beer snob, in quotes. I do know some basic things, and I know the styles of beer that I like. I could still crack a yingling and be pretty content, though. You know what? I actually feel the same way, Gabriel. I don't. I don't know if you're calling me a beer snob, you know, no harm, no foul. If you wanna you wanna throw that you wanna throw that my way, okay, that's fine. I'll I'll pick that up, no big deal. But I can crack a yingling too. Was that my engagement party? I had a whole fucking keg of it. Oh, sorry about that. One thing I seem to notice in the last few years, with so many new microbreweries popping up in almost every city and every state of the country. Here comes a burp. Sorry about that. Um, is that so many beers are brewed. So many beers that are brewed are essentially another IPA, whether they blatantly label it as an IPA or simply say, quote unquote, Memphis Pale Ale, currently drinking one of these from Crosstown Brewery. They all just basically taste like another IPA, American Pale Ale, Insert City Pale Ale, English Pale Ale, et cetera. It's all just it all just tastes like a hoppy beer indiscriminate from any ipa i've had before so he has two questions here he poses two questions question one is there really that much of a difference between an ipa and any of the other types of pale ales that seem to be thrown around and question two i've heard more individuals comment on their distaste for ipas compared to their appreciation of them If so, why do so many breweries focus on releasing 10 different kinds of essentially the same IPA-styled beer? An example being Three Floyds, which seems to have at least 10 different inceptions of the same exact beer. And despite their cool, shiny labels, they all taste like a hoppy IPA. I wish more American breweries focused on imitating the Trappist-style beers, which I personally find to be much more enjoyable than the 101 Inceptions of the Pale Ale is it just more difficult to produce a beer like this. So, there's three questions here. First one is there really much a difference between any between an IPA and uh any other types of pale ales uh that seem to be thrown around and the answer is absolutely. Okay? You have countless iterations of 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 uh, IPAs that are out there and pale ales. You know, the there's dry hopping, there's there's different categories of hops that you could put into them. What The way you do your malts is different, you know? I mean, they're all pale ales, but you have your double IPAs. You have your New England style IPAs. You have your triple IPAs. I mean, it's countless. I mean, there's, there's so many different things. And there's over 300 hops out there, dude. So, I mean, maybe where you're at, you're just not... Maybe you just don't have the palate for it, my friend. I mean, that is possible. There's some people that just don't like IPAs. Australian Rob, who used to be on the show, hated them. Thought they all taste the same. Me, I love them. I don't think they all taste the same. I think there's differences in all of them that I've had. It's not like you've had one, you've had them all. There's clear, distinctive differences in IPAs when you have them, depending on the the ingredients that are used, depending on the malts that are used, how much of the malts are being used, how long they boil the specific hops that they're being included. You know what I mean? I mean... Even the you know if they, and if there's a dry hopping uh, aspect of it, I mean it's it's extremely vast and different and 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 hell yeah, I mean the second question is, um, I've heard more individuals comment on their distaste for IPAs compared to the appreciation of them. I don't think I think you're a victim of like think, my friend. I mean there are more people that I talk to that love IPAs and, and you know despite the the other way around. I mean it's just. You, you you have to be around people who appreciate craft beer, dude. There's a ton of people out there that will say, I can never have an IPA. It's way too better and stuff like that. Fine, whatever. So, yeah, maybe maybe you're right. But you're, you're emailing a craft beer show about craft beer. I'm assuming that you're into craft beer. And you have to be with people who also like craft beer. If you're around people, look, everyone's going to, look, I could bring, let me put it like this. I could bring a Trappist style beer to pretty much anybody who drinks White Claw, like we were talking about last week, and they're going to like it. They're going to like it because it's not bitter. No, not a lot of people love bitter things. Okay, there's more people that like sweeter, sweeter things that are that that usually are the moniker of a Trappist style ale. And you know what? Uh, Three Floyds, yeah, they do that, but so does Oma Gang. They'll take. Um, They'll take their their some of their beers, like the the Gnome, I forgot the name of it, the Gnome Bomb or something. But they'll do something different to it. They'll add maybe more hops. Okay, take another example. Okay, I mean, if this is a, a swipe at, you're taking a swipe at Dogfish, I got a lot going through my head right now. Let me just take a second here. If you're taking a swipe, you are probably be taking a swipe at Dogfish Head, being that they have the 60-minute, the 90-minute, and the 120-minute. Nobody, you put those three beers in front of a hop head, like myself or other people that I know that are hop heads, they're going to tell you the difference between all three of them. Okay? That's fine. You know what? If you don't like IPAs, that's cool, but don't trash them because those 10 different IPAs are not the same fucking thing that they're releasing. Just because you cannot taste the subtleties don't mean they don't exist. Uh, And then you said you personally, this is the very key point in your email here, and I don't mean to yell at you, Gabriel, but I'm just giving my opinion here. I wish more American breweries focused on imitating Imitating the Trappist-style beers, which I personally find to be much more enjoyable than 101 Inceptions of Pale Ale. There you go again. You're talking about your personal preference. You're saying your personal personal preference is Trappist-style ales. My friend, love you. You're a listener of the show. But just because it's your personal preference doesn't mean that the gross majority of the craft beer world and community is going to like your personal preference. What happens is if the majority of the group likes IPAs, then they're going to make more IPAs because that's just smart in terms of a business sense. They're not going to sit there and try to make trap imitate. That's the thing here, too. You're saying to imitate the Trappists. okay? very hard to do. Because you need to go out and get those Trappist ingredients. And you have to do the Trappist way of, of brewing. And you know what? You're not going to get the same product. It's going to be very, very hard. Only brewery that I've ever had that came close was Omegang. And Gang has their roots in Belgium, my friend, where the Trappists are from. They're half-owned by or quarter-owned by Duval. So, of course, they're going to have good Trappist ales because they have a pipeline to Belgium. To make those beers in Memphis, I don't think that there's a pipeline to Belgium. Sorry to say it, and it's some 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 of these beers are harder to make. Ales are really hard, are really easy to make, and the gross majority of people like them. Sorry that you don't, but just go get a Chimay and call it a day. Another email here from Scott, and he says, "So to start off, I just turned twenty-one a couple of days ago. Happy belated birthday, Scott." And on that day, I tried a Heineken. I thought, this ought to be better than Bud Light. I'll try it. Well, let me tell you, I thought it tasted like watered-down bitter piss. Okay. So I searched online, and, and people came to a consensus that Heineken is not great. So, okay, that's fair. I'll try something else that people recommend for beginners. So I got a bottle of Blue Moon. The taste wasn't good by any means, but it was a slight improvement to Heineken. So I was like, damn, is all beer like this bitter, sour, and tasteless? So today I was grocery shopping, and I decided to pick up a Leinenkugel Summer Shandy flavored with honey and lemonade, and I thought, this has to taste better. And I still, and it still didn't! I didn't even taste the subtlest hint of lemonade or honey, or sweetness for that matter, It's just bitter, sour, flavorless, alcoholic, bubbly water to me. So I thought now is, I thought, so my thought now is this. You love beer. Thank you. Yes, I do. Did you always taste, did you always like the taste of beer, even going back to your first beer, or did it take some time for you to start actually enjoying the taste of beer? To be fair, I've only had three types of probably not the best made beer. So if there are any suggestions you'd like to share, that'd be helpful. Thanks a lot, Scott. Well, Scott, you're welcome. But you're 21 years old. You've hated every single alcoholic beverage that you've listed here. I mean, my next, <laughs> I think my next course of action would recommend to you to have a Smirnoff Ice. Have a Smirnoff Ice and see if you like that. Go ask the bartender for a whiskey sour. See if you like that. I mean, yes, this is a craft beer show, and I do appreciate that you found us and that you're listening to us. And hopefully you're listening to this response to your email, but there's a possibility that maybe craft beer is not for you. Now, I do have a philosophy that that craft beer is for everyone. So, Scott, what am I going to recommend to you to try as your very first craft beer? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, Scott. All right. So, judging upon what you've written here, it sounds like you don't like the taste of beer. So, I'm trying to think of the sweetest beer that I ever had, and maybe you would like that. So, what comes to mind is the New Belgium chocolate chip cookie dough, but they just don't have that anymore. So, you know, let me think here. I would say, why don't you go, okay. When Sam Adams 20 Pounds of Pumpkin comes out, give that a try. Because I'm pretty sure you haven't had a pumpkin beer just yet. Give that a shot. Also try New Belgium Fat Tire. And also try Um I'm trying to think of another sweet beer that I've had. Hmm. Well, they don't make fruit wood anymore. That was a pretty good one. Well try try um try Golden Monkey. Who makes that? Is that is that um was that victory? Does victory make golden monkey? Because they're not craft anymore. But that's just gonna give you what, is victory craft anymore? Is that Avery? Go, go get victory golden monkey. That's a triple, a tripel, if you will, whatever. Give that Belgian a try. Shout out to Gabriel when you have it. Give that a shot, and that's gonna give you. And also, also try. Oh man, what was the oh, what was the beer that we did twice on three beers in? It was a winter warmer beer that was so delicious and it was nice and sweet and it wasn't too bad so i would try to stay away from ipas for now and i would try to go for try to see <coughs> also i mean if you're in the new york area which i hope you are you could try blue points toasted lager give that a shot and uh and the other beers that i recommended right there and we'll see what happens so we're we're well over an hour right now we're about an hour and a minute in thank you all for listening and i'm going to catch you all next week have a great weekend check out that documentary i love you now die you're gonna like it and we'll talk about it next week in a little bit more detail have a great weekend everybody oh by the way i'm going to pittsburgh this weekend how crazy is that me and the wife we're packing up we're going to pittsburgh i'll tell you all about it when i get back ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to three Bs. and i'm gonna catch you next week